Welcome to the Athlete Plus Network, and it's the official podcast network of the Institute of Coaching Excellence, a research and educational outreach center in the College of Health and Human Performance at the University of Florida. I'm Kevin Carr, CEO of ProtoSuit, CEO and the industry professor and strategist at UF, and I serve as the host of the hit show. It stands for How I Transition Podcast. The hit show is a podcast devoted to talking to the current and former athletes on and off the court matters, field, track, or diamond, and the people behind the scenes, especially who support the lead athletes, the coaches, the teams, the organizations, the agents, agencies, and their stories that educate all listeners to advance the profession of coaching and supporting athletes. It's going to be a great show today. I've got no other than Urjam Hayes from the NBA. He's with the Department of Player Programs, and he's coming from what I affectionately call T-Town, Tampa, Florida, my town as well. But Urge, because he's worked with the NBA, he's worldwide, has offices in New York City as well as Tampa, and everywhere in between when you work for the NBA, right? Everybody knows the NBA knows that, (laughs) right? So (laughs) I'm going to introduce Urge, but he's someone I've worked a lot of years with, so this is really a rundown of me and him connecting back for all of you to listen in on how far he's advanced in the body of work he continues to do for the NBA. Erjom started at Florida A&M Agricultural and Mechanical University and went into the School of Business and Industry and got not only a undergrad, but a master's there. And he furthered himself and went straight to the top, to the NBA, coming into one of their programs and has built a successful over 10-year decade body of work with the NBA. Listen, I could go on and on about Urjan, and I will, but we're going to let him get into the conversation. Please welcome Urjan Hayes to the Hit Show. Thanks, Kevin. It's uh, exciting to be here um, and exciting to have this conversation um, and just kind of, like you mentioned, just kind of reconnect on just over a decade long of of friendship and and camaraderie. So looking forward to this uh, conversation. Excellent. Excellent. And it's a a learning one, you know, because we're here to really help all our listeners understand what it takes to get into athlete development, what it takes to work with athletes at the highest level. You have the privilege and distinction of working for the National Basketball Association, not only the NBA, but the NBA Development League. So let's start really with can you share with our listeners a bit about your journey? I mean, the essence of where you started educationally and then going from there to an HBCU, yes, a historically black college and university upbringing to become a professional in the NBA player programs department. Take it away, Eric John. Yeah, definitely. So um, I guess I'll start, you know, youngest of four um, and private school educated uh, from K to 12. So uh, kind of going like the, the private school route um, in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, but college, you know, it was one of those decisions where uh, my parents uh, were alums of HBCUs. They went to Talladega. My sisters went to Howard. So okay. it was something, Howard University. So it was just something within, you know, our, our family that, uh, you know, likely would steer me towards going to HBCU uh, in Florida A&M was the choice for me. So, you know, like you mentioned in the intro, uh, when it went into our School of Business and Industry, uh, five-year professional MBA program. So basically, 
uh, from the start um, of my first day as a freshman on campus. I was working and matriculating towards uh, getting both my master's, uh, bachelor's and master's degree. Um, but as part of the as part of the of that master's program, it required us to a, a minimum requirement of internships. Um, so that for at least the way I, I took a look at it was it gave me an opportunity to kind of take a look at different industries that may be of interest um, and, and start to really just kind of make a decision of where I saw myself uh, post-graduation and, and beyond. So um, playing basketball growing up from a family, my brother played division one basketball. Um, so from a family that really ingrained and loved basketball, watched it and, and absorbed it on a, on a day-to-day basis, um, probably around my second or third internship, I started to really look at, you know, whether it's working at the NBA or working at, at an individual team. Um, and from there, uh, got an internship with the Washington Wizards, uh, it was only supposed to be for three months. Um, mm-hmm. and obviously, typically, obviously that's kind of your traditional, uh, internship for a semester. Um, so I moved to DC, relocated to DC for that time. My older sister lived and currently lives in the DC area. So, uh, for me, it, it was advantageous to take on that opportunity. Um, and then from there, um, was, was in the office and, and ran into the president of basketball operations at the time, Ernie Grunfeld. Um, and, Mentioned I had an interest in, in working in basketball operations, um, and interning in basketball operations in his department. Um, so that three months turned into an additional four months, uh, interning with their basketball operations department, um, and working under some really dynamic individuals who are still executives within the NBA space, getting a chance to learn and groom under that group. And then following that, took my talents to New York and did a summer internship with the NBA league office working in partnerships. So that I would say from a from my end, I had a lot of experience in sales and marketing and in partnership or business development. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of uh, had that opportunity to, to take on to that. Then post-graduation, I entered into early career program that uh, up until recently, the MBA had, which is what we call our MBA associates program, which is a program that, that was for recent college graduates and gave uh, these college graduates an opportunity to to enter into the workforce. Um, mm-hmm. So myself and fourteen others that came in as a part of our cohort uh, spent spent one year within various departments within the MBA. My department was in business development, so I got a chance to really learn the ins and outs of what it takes to sell the MBA to to potential sure. partners and to potential companies. Um, so I got a chance to experience that. Spent an additional two and a half years working in business development. A lot of my work was primarily centered around work with the what at the time was called the D-League, the NBA Development League. So mm-hmm. a lot of the different partnerships and a lot of the different proposals that I would develop and partners that I would really research were around our NBA Development League, as well as a lot of focus on our international market. As At that time, the NBA was really growing its presence um, mm-hmm. across the globe, whether it was in China, it was in Africa, it was in Europe. So spent a lot right. of time uh, working on a team that was really focused on kind of the work that the NBA was was looking to to kind of spread its wings globally, uh, so did that for yeah. about three and a half years, um, and then uh, transitioned into community relations and player development, which I've uh, which I currently sit in. Um, okay, well, at, let, at me, let me jump in here. Let, let me before we go all the way through um, a little bit. You know, you said some interesting things. You know, your your experience at historically by college, university, mm-hmm. uh, HBCU really help 
you know, lay a foundation for you. I, I know there were some things that possibly happened in that experience. What, how do you believe your experience at HBCU has contributed, you know, to your early success in reaching to the NBA? Because there are lots of students who uh, are at HBCUs as well as traditional, and they want to know how'd you make the quantum leap? You kind of went through it, but what what do you think about that experience really contributed to your early success? I think a couple of things. One, uh, confidence. I think for, at least for myself, being within our business school, I think at the time, and I was still considered one of the premier top business schools within the HBCU network and even beyond. I mean, I think we were, as a school, very competitive with the likes of many of the, the Ivy League schools. We were able mm-hmm. to give, given the opportunity where we would have a Fortune 500 companies come to our campus to interact, to to meet, to recruit. And I think part of that, by being able to kind of interact and engage with many folks from, you know, companies like HP, FedEx, to name a couple, that really just kind of, you know, given the confidence to really go into situations prepared, go into situations kind of doing kind of like the necessary research, you know, knowing who your audience is, what the what are the trends within the different markets in the industry? And I think a lot of that, you know, really kind of helped me and gave me the confidences when I walked into whether it was the Washington Wizards, I walked into the NBA League mm-hmm. office, kind of gave me some of the I had already built some of those skills by being on campus and being able to interact with uh, senior executives and, and, and things of that nature. I loved um, my opportunity to go to HBCU as a MBA executive, I was welcomed by SBI and that was a campus visit like no other. So I remember walking up and there was a big poster of me literally before I walked in the door, letting everybody know, I don't know, for the last week or two that I was coming. So I was like, whoa, this is this is serious. And then I walked in and all the prep, I had a, a very nice lunch with the dean and mm-hmm. other administrators and executives. And I could tell this was like going to be serious business. They took things super serious. I didn't know. And then I walked in the auditorium and the auditorium was full of students decked out to the nine, shirt and tie, notepads out, uh, getting ready to take notes from me. And literally the stage was set. PowerPoint, the highest level I can recall uh, and I do compliment FAMU for really setting the stage and letting their students know when people come to visit you, this is serious business and you never know what opportunity you're going to have or what lessons you're going to hear. So take this super serious. But uh, from start to finish, first class visit, shout out to FAMU for really, that was years ago. And I remember like almost yesterday and I still mm-hmm. can say it with great, you know, clear, I'm very clear. That was the best campus visit I ever did period, hands down, to speak to, to college students. And that's how they prepare people there. Would I would I be wrong? No, no, you're absolutely correct. And it's funny you mentioned the uh, the big board uh, that was, that had your picture. Is that what your, it's called, the big board? Well, it's, it's kind, of, kind of, you know, kind of like the announcement board, but basically it was part of one of the, so we had student-run and student-led companies at the in, in SBI. That mm-hmm. one was from SBI News. I was actually part of SBI News. So during my time, Okay, at SBI, we were part of the process of creating 
those announcement boards and creating some of the materials that we would distribute out to students as well as folks who are visiting forum, which is what you had taken part in. So mm-hmm. that was probably, I think I was probably at the NBA by that time you had yeah, done that, but yeah, that was, that was definitely something, uh, uh, something that I, I, I've had a chance to experience, but no, absolutely. It was, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, how to dress uh, from a, from a corporate and a business level really just really prepared us to kind of enter into the workforce at the most prepared, best prepared, as well as qualified for uh, anything that that may be coming our way. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I really, really uh, kudos for them, and I hope that's still going on. I know at the NBA, you you had a journey in yourself. You know, you were actually there when the NBA started programs. You know, where they enhanced programs, but one of them, you and I both got to kind of see was NBA Cares. I, I would think, in my opinion, that's probably one of the more impactful social responsibility programs in sports. And some students want to get into that side or some professionals want to get into social responsibility. Let's talk a little bit about your time with NBA Cares as that's coming along. Obviously, social impact is big, but why is it so big for the NBA that they created an entire initiative? And I would argue that across the globe, it's probably not a better social responsibility program from a professional league in all of sports and entertainment? Mm-hmm. Well, I think in many ways, if you look at what the NBA is, it's a, you know, where we are today, 30 NBA teams, 31 G League teams, another 12 and the number is growing WNBA teams. We have offices, 15 or 16 different countries. Um, so we're global, you know, that the true essence of global and being all over. And with that, we are in so many markets, so many demographics. There are interests, there are needs across all of those different spectrums. And for the NBA, part of our commitment is to really establish places where folks can live, learn, and play. And, and with that, you know, from top down, from a from a league level, all the way down to the individual teams, there's a true commitment to not only just establishing your presence with, within the community from a brand standpoint, but then also how are we able to to kind of impact and, and also serve those that are in our local markets and local communities mm-hmm. and give access to and provide access to players, provide access to the coaching staff, provide access to our staff, our staff members in ways that's organic, that feels natural, but it's also just kind of, you know, leaving a lasting presence, lasting legacy and presence, you know, so I think even that's from a league level. And even our players, as time has grown on, our players are very, very philanthropic and are really, you know, looking to, you know, probably for many of them, one of the first things they're trying to do outside of playing the game is to really establish themselves from a philanthropic standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that takes a little education and an understanding for what they want and what they're interested in, but a lot of it is there. So to really provide a vehicle and an avenue for players to really start to understand what being a part of the community and being part of the business or uh, being a part of a philanthropic and a social cause and a social initiative looks like they can do it within a, you know, safe and, and in somewhat of a turnkey type way, I think is, is, is something that has strong, has a strong emphasis and a strong commitment to. And I would say, you know, probably over the last 20 years or so where the league has really started to really make its brand, make its brand of NBA cares known. So I would say, you know, you look at where we are today at every single, 
at every single event that we have. We just completed our games in Paris last week with the Cavs as well as the Nets. And there was there were community causes and community initiatives, NBA All-Star. Uh, we usually have an All-Star Day of Service, which is just a day that's committed to you know, no activities for at least half or the majority of that day. And players, staff, guests are able to really leave a presence and an impact in the in that all-star market. So it is something that as a lead that we are committed to do, you know, no matter where we are, no matter where an event is. Right. Love it, man. And I think I remember, you know, working at the league and then David, David Stern, like David Stern would always say, one of our more important things we're going to do as a sports business globally is wherever we go, we're going to try to do good. And that was really echoed throughout the business internally and with the teams. And I think what's unique about what the NBA has always, in my opinion, done is trying to figure out how to connect with the people. Um, wherever they go in the world. And I think that's a unique position about their brand, too, that it is a global sports brand and it truly has players from all the world, all over the world. And they try to do business with those communities in which their players come from or there's an interest and not just from a, you know, basketball standpoint. They're bringing health, they're bringing schools, they're bringing technology, like so, you know, and, and obviously basketball and other parts of the world. So shout out to the NBA and really in building community within their business, making a forefront. So my next question to you, Erjam, is, you know, since you and I got a chance to work together for, for years, you know, we, we got a chance to really see some great work being done, you know, programs like Wiki Transition and things of that nature we can get into, but you you've really grown and you know as a executive yourself and you're involved in a newer program called the NBA Business Mentor Program. You know, could you elaborate on what this program sort of entails and how it benefits, you know, the NBA community, NBA and, and G League players and see and, and another aspect, can you share any success or something from it as a result of creating this program? Because it's fairly new. Yeah, definitely. So um, back in 20, summer of 2022, we um, initially launched our MBA business mentorship program. But really, our goal for that program was to really create a space for any of our players who have either started their own business or had an interest in starting a business. This is key. Mm -hmm. I want people to understand he's talking about how to build something now and how you, with even within a league, not just a team, how a league thinks. So this is critical here because a lot of people say, you know, how do you create this? How do you create that? You're giving them a little bit of the blueprint here. So Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, it was just a uh, focus of ours to really provide a space for players who are that started a business or who were interested in starting a business, the opportunity to really grow in whatever way that they needed. And I think the, the, the best way to really start is through providing some guidance and mentorship as well as some individual programming. So one of the things, as we think about the bill, what we noticed um, as we were having some of our individual and mandatory meetings with teams, our individual teams slash mandatory meetings, are that, you know, when we talk about what are things doing outside of playing basketball, what they're doing in their free time, a lot of them 
were starting their own businesses or a lot of them had their own business or they were thinking about, you know, what's that side hustle or what would be my side hustle? So, you know, I think from that, we saw that there could be an appetite if we built something around it. So, you know, I think for our first first two years, honestly, we really just wanted to start small. We really focus on a couple of things, mentorship. So our goal was to really identify and be very targeted and specific around the type of mentors that a player needs or wants. So part of our goal as we start with like the build and the planning stages of the program is once a player kind of applies, we sit down and have a 30 minute conversation with each player, understand a little bit about the business, what they're interested in. If they were selected to be a part of the program, what type of mentor would be a right fit for them? They may not have the answers to all of that, which is right. which is perfectly fine, but some do. And But at the end of the day, what we try to do is we really try to listen and, and figure out ways in which we can really plug the players to the into the right direction, into the right individual or group of individuals. So mentorship is a big focus. Another is to really start to identify what are the key core competencies of business or even entrepreneurship that these players need to really focus on and really need to, to develop and, and create monthly group sessions that are centered around those different topics. Mm-hmm. Um, and our goal for those sessions is to really educate the players, give them a little bit of additional background. And then if we're, we're pulling someone that's not within our mentor or our program ecosystem, now you're starting to really create and build build a network of people that you can have at your disposal and a resource that you can have. And then I think the third piece is really identifying what are those resources? What are those, you know, how can we point players to different programs or to different loans or to different opportunities to educate from a business, small business owner standpoint, that's outside of what we provide within the structure of the program. Um, and from that really, you know, utilize a six to seven month period where players have access to all these resources, whether it's through, whether it's mentors, group sessions, it's the different, you know, opportunities or different brochures, links, articles that we're sharing to really help them, you know, further kind of, you know, leave the program better than they came into the program, you know, better for an argument's sake. And I think, you know, we've seen a lot of success in the first two years in the first two cohorts, I would say the first success is the number of participants that we had grew from, I think it was six to 12 this in year two. So we've seen um, an uptick. So in year one, we had six players within the cohort. Year Mm -hmm. two, we grew to almost 12 Mm -hmm. um, that came into the cohort. So we've seen a lot of interest and a lot of it oftentimes comes from word of mouth. You know, you have a player who took part of the program he had a great experience and he speaks highly of it. Um, mm-hmm. and we had one player, um, who, who really did a lot of our, our recruiting for, for the program this year and, mm-hmm. you know, got a couple of guys with, that's within his network to actually take part of the program. So I think it's, you know, it's something that I think it has a, you know, it's had a lot of success. We have mm-hmm. room to grow, but that's the good thing about building something from the ground floor is that, you know, there is a lot more room to grow as you start to kind of get into, into the nitty gritty of the program and how it, how it all works. And I think people, um, you know, practitioners or emerging practitioners, they understand you don't have to have a program, a hundred people to be a successful program. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think for, you know, for me, and I think for, even from a departmental standpoint, it, it's quality over quantity. Quantity mm-hmm. obviously is, is great and important because it gives you numbers, but the quantity, if you can have a player, 
like a Norris Odiati, who, you know, I would say is one of those people or players that was really a big word of mouth and a big component, but he can talk about how impactful the program has been for him, for him to want to come back a second year to participate and to get more, you know, it really kind of speaks to what we are building, where it's not, it's not a 100 players that are participating in the program, but it's, it's 12 players who see an app impact who are walking out with something that is very tangible and that's helping them, um, you know, moving forward in their, in their professional journey away yeah. from the game. And I would say kudos to, to Norrence. He's an example of someone, and we're talking about examples, someone who built something as a result of this, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yep. So Norrence had a, he had a podcast, I guess we call it. He had, he had a podcast, but he wanted to, find and identify ways to grow the podcast. He had other thoughts and visions about things he wanted to do, you know, in, in addition to the podcast, but it seemed as though the podcast was the thing that if he really focused all of his attention on and all of his attention to, he could really have it take off. And, you know, he's, you know, he's spoken about how the podcast is, he's now been able to go back to his university, Texas tech to do live podcasts. Mm-hmm. He's been able to secure partnerships He's been able to, you know, tap into the network of mentors, not just his mentor that he was assigned, but then mentors across the cohort to really help him and along the way in his business journey. And I think, you know, that's just kind of a testament to, you know, you think about what are success stories. That's the success story that, you know, that we have just off of a player who came with, you know, Five different things, but now he's focused on his one thing, right. the podcast, which he had already been working on, but now has just kind of grown that podcast leaps and bounds the amount of times that he's put that podcast out just because of uh, what he's just kind of built through being a part of the program. And I love how you program. guys have created community. You actually design times for the mentors to come together and get trained and developed to be better. Even if they mm-hmm. come with a high level of skill, there's always something as a mentor. And I have the great pleasure and honor you guys allow me to be a part of for the last couple of years since the exception. And I've walked away every time feeling invigorated and having had learned something as a consultant that I can bring not only to help me as a person, but also as a professional and even take into my, my business. And I would say it's one of those emerging programs. I think that you guys are going to continue to see uh, great success because uh, Norris is an example of someone who came back, and I think that's always a testament. But he built even a stronger initiative year two, actually got a sponsor for it, which I thought was again another great business accolade for him to show and see how his what he put out here really has a need to be filled. And someone came and met him and actually boosted his platform up, and he's he's um, doing. A very good job. Shout out to mm-hmm. Norris. If you're going to be yeah, listening. Shout out to Norris. Shout yeah. out to Norris. For, yeah. Absolutely. I think, you know, you and you, you and yourself, yourself, I think um, mentoring has been good for you as well. Can you talk mm-hmm. about, you know, how that's played a part in, in your career? I think a lot of people say, how do I get a mentor? How do I get the mentor? How do I grow? How do I get somewhere? You know, I don't have any connections or context can you can you talk to that a little bit how it's played a role in your career can you share like how some of these experiences have helped prepare you and and get you to um, help yourself but also you're probably in a position too as a as a mentoring 
some people along the way. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I think mentorship is critical. Uh, it's huge. And, you know, it's one of those things where we always say, like, we don't get to place by ourselves. Like, there's always someone mm-hmm. or something that is helping us to get from where we are to where we want to go. And mentorship, I think, plays a huge and critical part in that. Oftentimes, mentors may be created like we have within our business mentorship program, where we kind of create a space where we're assigning a mentor to you. But sometimes, many times, you may have to seek it out or that mentorship just kind of happens organically through commonalities, through where we're trying to get and you start and we just really start to 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 build a relationship and i think mentorship is number one is relationship building right so in many ways if you you know when i first came into the nba i was a part of a mentor mentorship program through the associates program um but that mentoring was identified was pre-selected and pre-identified so i didn't get a chance to select who my mentor is or was, and you don't know how effective that mentor pairing can be um, if one or both of the parties are not really being kind of receptive or are mm-hmm. being open to the mentor mentoring. So mentorship is is you know is critical, and it's it's you know identifying a relationship. For me, when I look at mentoring as as well as being a mentee. It's uh, who do I have a relationship with? You know, when I look at some of the, you know, if you're the business mentors in, in this space, I, I'm not going to shamefully say it while we're on this podcast. Kevin is one of my mentors, right? <laughs> so he's one of those, he's, Kevin is one of those people that when we were working together, I pop into his office, we talk, whether it's about profession, it's about personal, it's just really just to get to know one another. But a lot of that mentorship came because of, you know, commonalities that we've had in our, in our journey. So, you know, that was just organic for me, but for other, you know, for other mentees and and, and identifying, uh, you know, folks who can be a mentee, it's really that organic nature. It's the, you know, repetitive and, and repetitious communication with one another. It's being able to seek out outside of, pre-planned and or other times to really kind of have those conversations. And I think mentorship is also, it, it goes both ways where at most times being a mentee means you're being a mentee, but sometimes some things that you're doing, some things that you may say, you may be a, become a mentor to your mentor, but you know, just because it's a relationship and it's always back and forth and not necessarily one-sided or the other. So, you know, mentorship is critical. It's sometimes it may be hard. It may take some time to find your mentor. If you're someone seeking out mentorship, sometimes it may take some time to identify and find who that right person is. But, you know, just like with any relationship, you'll know when when it's right and you know when to, you know, when and how you can show up with someone and when not to. Yeah, that's perfect, man. Thanks for the, that. Definitely. I noticed we had uh, the ability to connect as Florida guys. But also, you know, Florida State, FAMU, right across the street from each other. We enjoyed football as well as basketball, of course. And then, obviously, you know, one day you're going to have a family, these types of things. All these things, even beyond just a business, you know, we were able to mm-hmm. connect on. And I think that was healthy for me as I left the league and were looking for ways to still be a contributor to the NBA. It was almost like you were reverse mentoring me. And I think that's mm-hmm. where young people can help older people who don't have the same 
experience or have access, they can reverse mentor. So it's a good opportunity for you as well. Some people say, hey, as a young mentee, what can I do for my mentor? Mentor, like, don't rush that. It'll come. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A good example of that. Uh, So I appreciate everything uh, you continue to do um, in my life and, and professionally, you know, however we can help each other. We've just always been that. So let's, let's talk about, um, in addition to, you know, your, your mentor program and the NBA, if I can recall, man, you guys don't have off season. Could you provide some (laughs) insights, almost like a day in the life of a a player, uh, development person, the other programs you do, and what are the challenges and rewards of doing this kind of work? Yeah, I wish there was an off season for us, but the off season calendar from what you see on the watching the games and how it goes from a basket from an on the court standpoint, that's actually our on season. Um, you know, it's our department, player development, like you mentioned. So player development, our our work is really centered around creating spaces for players' aspirations to thrive and knowing that basketball is what you do and it's not who you are. So the business mentorship program is one of those examples of the who you are. Um, mm-hmm. And we really try to really cultivate a relationship and really build and pr- help prepare players from the time that they decide to declare and enter the NBA or even enter the G League from the time through the time that they prepare to transition into life beyond the game. I and mean, even some of our work as a department extends even earlier than that with uh, a lot of the work at the grassroots level with the Nike EYBL, now Scholastic, USAB junior national team and other different ways in which we're kind of connecting with the next generation of NBA stars. But when I look at kind of, you know, a lot of the areas that I work in, you know, like I mentioned, I spent a lot of time, you know, probably I've been at the NBA now 16 years. Oh, wow. I would say probably 13 of those years I spent in the either focused on the NBA G League or Development League are actually working within it. So a lot of my work now is uh, focused on our NBA D League, our NBA G League player programs. So what a a testament, because when I was there, it certainly is not the same league. mm -hmm, It's night mm -hmm. and day and everything we could have ever dreamt and not even ever thought about. You guys are taking to the next level. (laughs) <laughs> and totally allowed it to be, you know, arguably the second best basketball in the world, I would say. Yep. Um, so talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I would say I would give it a testament to, you know, folks like yourself and others who were at the ground level of the D-League. And as the league was starting to grow, like we're now at 31 teams, like I mentioned. Yeah, when I first started at the NBA, I think we had maybe eight teams. Eight teams. Very dip down to six and then we yep. back to get to eight yep. very regionalized and now we're at a point where 29 of the 30 nba teams have a g league affiliate and we have obviously our we have our nba g league ignite program which is the professional pathway program for non-draft eligible who are looking to potentially you know spend another year or two years of grooming and development from a pro level before entering the draft and then we have a team, Mexico City, the Mexico City Capitanes. Those are the other two to teams, but 29 others. But, um, you know, so over that time, like Kevin mentioned, you know, the league has not only grown, it has, you know, it's been something where as we look to build the second best 
professional basketball league, we also have to make sure we are providing as a similar type of experience as what you would want to expect from the second best basketball league, both on the court as well as off the court. So a lot of the focus and a lot of the programs, you know, that we've been able to, to develop over the years are really in an effort to make sure that we're better preparing our players. So we have a player orientation program that's similar to the NBA rookie transition program that prepares incoming G League players uh, for their experience. We have mandatory meetings. We provide mental health support and services. We provide tuition reimbursement for players to get a degree, complete a degree, continue a degree, um, and, and many other things, you know, many other off-the-court programs to really help build in that space. Um, and in addition to the work within the G League, overseeing our, our coach, NBA coaching development program. So it's a program that we designed it's been around since over 30 years, a uh, program that we designed and created. Your assistant coaches program is or what you Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it was a called the uh, assistant coaches program. It's now called coaching development program, which is really a program that we are, uh, that's targeting for current and former players from across the NBA, WNBA, and G League to really prepare them for a career in coaching and a career in, in coaching, hopefully at the professional level. So we have coaching staffs for both the NBA and G League this year. We have 38 former alums that are part of coaching staffs across uh, player development coach, assistant coach, couple of head coaches, both in the NBA as well as the G League, and then others that are working in scouting and other basketball operations roles. Um, yeah, so two, it's a, two that I can talk of, several, you know, uh, Roy Rogers is somebody who I started out with, Nick Nurse. Mm-hmm. Is someone mm-hmm. I started out with, and most recently, you know, I've had some time with you know coach like Ronnie Burrell, who started in the mm-hmm. G League as assistant coach of the year. Now is on the bench with Brooklyn. You know, yeah. there's just there's so much more than just the basketball, and I I commend you know Adam and Mark and 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 Kathy, you know Barons for really creating the D League like a, a lab and Sharif given opportunity to really have the autonomy to create really this platform where research goes across and people don't think they think it's basketball, but we're grooming the next generations of mm-hmm. executives. And, um, you know, Nick wins a championship, but he started with the Iowa team in Iowa. And I remember visiting him there and saying, Hey man, this is, this is where we all get our start, you know, and hopefully we can build something here. And, to see him now with his second NBA team and doing well, you know, just as a, as a testament, you know, of uh, what it means. So I can't wait to see what's next. We, um, we talk about some of the challenges. Just quickly, what do you think is uh, some of the challenges that come with this and the reward, in your opinion? I mean, I, th- I think the rewards for me are easy. We talk about it a little bit where it's quality over quantity. So it's the rewards are the impact. And oftentimes, you know, I probably would say maybe even one of the challenges, but I don't necessarily perceive it as a challenge, is that you don't, you may not necessarily see the fruits of your labor in the player development, player engagement space immediately. Well, I think just the life life cycle of a of an athlete, um, mm-hmm. and some of the things that we're focused, and some of the things that we're focused on, programs that we deliver. You know, it's in preparation. Players just may not necessarily be focused on that. Thing at the particular moment, you know, I think about, I think like a lot of G League players, uh, for some of them, they they want to make it to the NBA. So what they're doing on the court is 
you know, from a weighted scale, maybe more important than what, you know, what they're looking to build off the court, not saying that they're not focused on the off the court, but their focus is going to be on the court. But, you know, for the work that we do in player development, player engagement, your impact may not necessarily be seen until after a player decides to transition. And at that point that they transition, whether it's a light bulb that comes on for them, a serious and concerted area of focus for them, that's when you really start to see, you know, kind of the work that you put in. You know, I, I would say like the coaches program, we're starting to see some immediate success, for example. So we're seeing candidates from the program that are being hired during the program. They're being hired immediately after they exit the program. So you start to, you see some success in some areas, but for that group, they, you know, they've retired are semi-retired. They're starting their transition. So that's a group that's a little bit closer to what, from a programmatic standpoint, we're creating mm-hmm. um, than maybe some others. Um, so, you know, I would say those are probably some of the, you know, one of the challenges. Another challenge in this space of, you know, when you think about, you know, money drives everything, money drives business, right? So, you know, another challenge is how can player development and player engagement be something that's creating value and creating revenue for an organization. I think we see it. We, we as, as player development, player engagement practitioners, we understand the value. We know the work that's being done. But, you know, when a company is looking at the bottom line and looking at the, the balance sheet, you know, does that work reflect? So I think identifying and finding ways in which not only just as our department, but I think across player development, athlete engagement, that's a area that many practitioners are really trying to really dive into. I think we're at a point where we're trying to, you know, what does success look like? But I think our, our conversation and what we're talking about now is, you know, what are we doing and how, how can we continue to provide meaningful impact on the bottom line, even though we, in many ways we already are doing so. And I think, you know, when I think about the rewards, it's having that player who took part of a continuing education program or took part of one of our programs and they're coming back to thank you. Um, as a put, uh, you know, there's, you know, a guy that played in the G League and he's currently, you know, coaching with the, with the Warriors organization. And every time he sees me, he thanks me because of him completing his degree while he was in the G League through the continuing education program. It has allowed him to, you know, to kind of reach his dreams of coaching mm-hmm. and now coaching at, you know, at the highest level for one of the, you know, best organizations within all of basketball. So, those are kind of those things where, you know, you look back on it and you know that your your impact is being is being felt, which, you know, which is is feels rewarding and is rewarding, actually. Love that. I think, you know, in a lot of ways you, you hit it. It is a challenge to qualify exactly the results. But I do think some tangibles are when players who never went or paid attention are now paying attention in year three or four more so mm-hmm. than they ever have. Um, mm-hmm. if they make it, you know, that long, but hopefully even if they are in a short time span, they learn some things through the transition programs that turned them on to how to take advantage of people in your market in terms of business and connections, how to go back and get that degree if you haven't, or how to now take, um, the network you have and create a business or opportunity to go to work or create something if you have, you know, income uh, at your disposal to to create something so i think a lot of you i think you hit on the nail the work 
sometimes shows up later. And I think it's important to not put a date on it right away. I think the value that athlete development, player development, engagement professionals are is they really keep the brand on position. A lot of players, if they didn't get the coaching and the visits and the consistent, you know, reminders and the mandatory and some of it, you know, voluntary coaching, some of the brand of some teams would be going left and right. And I think we got to really kind of give some credence to the people who are uh, there for the league, from the league office like you, talking to the people on the ground uh, at teams like, you know, who have longtime professionals like in o- Oklahoma City, Ayana, you like those people really do create a culture and a go-to within a framework of a team to allow the player to come into an organization the right way and grow and develop. And at the same time, there are also going to be challenges, but it's also there to keep them on track. So there there are some ways to qualify that. It's just, you know, not always as uh, seen or tangible. Yeah, I would add to it. I think one of the things that I've noticed over the last 10 or so years just kind of being in this lane of player and athlete engagement is that, you know, I think the players, because of the change in the sports landscape, players are really coming in, I think, a lot more savvy, a lot more experienced, which in some ways can can help. And it can help with what you're, you know, what you're trying to do because there's a, a different level of, you know, I'll call it sophistication. Um, you know, that a player may have and a level of knowledge that they have within something. So there's a, a lot more, you know, there are a lot more. I know we, but, you know, in my early days, we talk about being a CEO of your own brand. Yeah. And they, they understand that because now that the, the type of access that people have to not only their personal lives, but to their playing career and, and following them from when they were 14, 15, all the way up until, you know, they're now five years as a professional, you know, those, those folks have kind of grown up with that player or those group of players. Um, and I think with that, there's, you know, there's just a lot more um, knowledge and sophistication that athletes have today, you know, that can maybe in some ways kind of eliminate and make some of those challenges or barriers a lot less. No, I agree. I agree. The sophistication and the uh, awareness of players today is on mm-hmm. an all-time high. I think some of them realize they can be influencers right away. Um, and if they really master and get really a hold of it, they can really take it on uh, some of the highest levels. Um, it's really It really has changed. I remember just being worried about monitoring, you know, social media accounts. Mm-hmm. And that was like literally now these guys are building businesses and having production companies and really going after tech and becoming VC. So it's, it's a whole, whole, whole other different. thing to just mm-hmm. work on social media. Now you're like, wow, these guys are another level. You know, let's, let's take it into like for you advice for aspiring professionals and, you know, a little bit of, you know, how do you balance it all? How do they go for their future goals and, and really get to where they want to be? What, what would be your thoughts for them? Yeah, I would say for me, first thing that I would always say is kind of patience in the journey. Most of my journey was has not been linear. I think the only thing that's been linear about my journey is working at the NBA. But 
in many ways, like I've, you know, in some of my breakdown, I've worked in three different departments in my time at the NBA. Mm-hmm. So it's, it has not been linear. It's been understanding, you know, first coming into it as a 23-year-old, trying to really understand what the business is, understanding where my interests are. My interests when I first started in the league differed in the first three years, and that's totally right. fine, right? And that's totally right. fine. There are some people that are made nail their 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 career right out the park but then there are others like myself where it took me a time and then it took me another time really understand what it you know what i wanted to do so i I would say like that patience in the journey Mm -hmm. um is one number two is always being eager and willing to learn Mm -hmm. um you know whether it's you know taking on stretch projects and stretch assignments i Mm -hmm. to this day still take on stretch assignments because it really it helps it helps you learn more about the business. It helps you learn about other areas of the business that you may not necessarily be focused on. It also builds a certain and it builds a different skill set and a level of skill that you know that's that is that is helpful. So always being willing to take on. And then I think the final piece is preparation. Preparation, always being prepared. I remember my boss to my internship boss to this day is still working at the NBA and she always talks about the level of preparedness that I that I had as an intern and you know that is I think that level of preparation has has really instilled myself in in the work so when I'm working I'm trying to think two three steps ahead for you know trying to kind of think through problems or think through solutions think well, not only think through potential barriers or problems but think through the solutions Beforehand, so once I'm in it, and if something happens, I'm I'm knowing how to kind of uh, react and respond. Man, that was a great response, and you know the there's always a lot of different ways, but I've not heard someone nail it as succinctly, specifically for younger people who really want to figure out like I want to move fast, I want to go get up, but you're someone who stayed somewhere and. I would call it the the term I I use is you've been an entrepreneur. You've literally stayed where, but you you've used entrepreneurship within your MBA and tried a new thing and built new things, and that's mm-hmm. kept you uh, alive and kept you fresh and kept you know you going. I can remember starting with the G League, then moving to the NBA, then moving to the G League, then back to the NBA, and on both sides finally as you know ended up being a vice president in both spaces so i think it's a journey uh for sure and i really appreciate you you know saying that so now we're going to get close to our closing but we don't end until we go to the speed round so urjan get your water get ready to go shake out your hands whatever you got to do we're about to enter the speed round you have 10 quick uh, responses that we're going to try to do in one word to have a little liveliness and a little fun and round this on out with the podcast. Okay. All right, you ready? I'm ready. All right. Got my water. Got my water. So I'm ready. Okay. First question. Do you prefer comedy or action movies? Comedy all day. All right. Favorite NBA team growing up? Orlando Magic. Shout favorite out to player. Favorite player, Michael Jordan. Okay, good. All right. There'll be an argument with a lot of other people these days. <laughs> if your life had a theme song, what would it be, man? 
I did it my way. I know Frank Sinatra was probably the original composer, but I'm a Jay-Z fan, so I'm referencing the Jay-Z. I did it my way. Uh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Bringing it a little more modern day. Name yep. one person who's been a key mentor in your life and one piece of advice they have given you, if you can recall. Uh, I can mention Kevin, Kevin Carr. Um, okay. Okay. He mentor. Um, and for, I think, the piece of advice is really kind of stay in the course mm-hmm. stay in the course absolutely don't waver too much there'll be some gold at the end of that rainbow now next question quick tip for someone looking to be a great mentor what is that tip listen there Easy. you go <laughs> favorite nba city to visit during the season and why Oh, man, that is a good question. Can I go G League since I spent more time in yes, G League markets? Absolutely. Grand Rapids, Michigan. What? And, yes. Okay. Obviously, probably going not in, the, not in the winter months, but Grand Rapids. I had a, I enjoyed my time a couple of times that I've had a chance to visit Grand I Rapids, Michigan. Say Austin, Texas. Grand Rapids gets the number one nod by Urjan. Got to get there. I did live in um, East Lansing for a minute, but I – I only got over to Grand Rapids occasionally, so I might deserve a visit next time. <laughs> you already answered this one. Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Is it still Michael, that? Michael Jordan still. Okay. Is there a why or should I leave that alone? We'll leave it alone. We'll leave it alone. We'll leave, it alone. <laughs> leave it alone. <laughs> All right. Name one thing. This is the final question. Name mm-hmm. one thing about your HBU experience that you carry with you every day. Mm. Excellence. Excellence with caring, being excellent in the space that we're in and striving for greatness. Oh, man. Very good. And, Le- and LeBron is actually striving for greatness. He's a, I know the athletic teams at FAMU, they are LeBron. They wear LeBron apparel, so striving for greatness is perfect. Oh, wow. To close out. That's right. FAMU is uh, sponsored by the LeBron James brand, one of the few schools in the country. Mm-hmm. In closing, we want to thank you. Thank you, Erjom Haynes, for being on the hit show today. And the University of Florida thanks you as well. We'd love to stay in touch with you. So can you give us a way to follow you, support your work? Can, is there any way we can do that? Yes, definitely. Um, can be followed, obviously, on LinkedIn. Um, can follow Erjom Haynes. Uh, well, I guess do I need to spell? Do I should I spell it or? Yeah, yeah. You want to spell your name is uniquely spelled. I'll give you a <laughs> distinction. It's a it's a yes. name for sure. Yes. So you can follow on LinkedIn. Erjam Hayes, E R J A A M, um, can be found there on LinkedIn and also on Instagram. Um, oh. Unique spelling, but Eric underscore James with two A's um, can be found on link uh, LinkedIn as well as Instagram. Yep. But appreciate and, appreciate the time um, being on to, to kind of chat, catch up, and kind of share some insights. No doubt. The hit show actually should be saved by everyone. So in closing, we want to thank you for allowing uh, ProtoCO and the University of Florida to bring you the hit show. And it's a platform on the Athlete Plus podcast, a network uh, that is part of the Institute of Coaching Excellence, which is within the College of Health and Human Performance at the University of Florida. I'm Kevin Carr, host of the Hit Show, but I'm also uh, a adjunct professor at UF in the athletic 
athlete development, sports business management um, majors there. And if there are um, students and, and athletes looking for additional support, certainly reach out to AUF's department there to continue and further your education or go to protoceo.com and contact us and we will help connect you. The hit show doesn't end without our guests giving the signature outro. So I'm going to hand it to Erjan. Take it away, Erjan. All right. I am Erjan Hayes and you have listened to me on the hit show. All right. I'm Kevin Carr, host of the hit show and CEO Pro to CEO. You've listened to the hit show and we thank you for being a consistent listener. And we thank you for continuing to support the University of Florida.